Today in Science from Wired. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market as extreme heat increases heart attacks will rise dangerously hot days are becoming more common That will trigger heart attacks and strokes in people made vulnerable by age, race, and the layout of cities. By Marin McKenna. A deadly wave of heart attacks and strokes is headed for the U.S., borne by extreme heat waves spawned by climate change, and those deaths are most likely to occur in people who are older or black. By mid-century, according to the research published Monday, cardiovascular deaths could triple to almost 5,500 extra deaths per year if nothing is done to curb the greenhouse gas emissions that are driving climate change and extreme heat events. And even if the U.S. achieves some emissions control by staying on its current planned path of reductions, cardiovascular deaths are likely to more than double to 4,300 extra deaths per year. Thanks to the combined influences of age, genetic vulnerability, geography, and the heat-trapping aspects of urban development, the investigators predict that older adults will be at higher risk and black adults will be at higher risk than any other group. The public health impact of climate change is falling on individuals who live on the margins of society, says Samid Katana, a cardiologist and assistant professor at the University of Pennsylvania's Perlman School of Medicine. Any policy action or mitigation efforts really need to be tailored towards individuals who are most vulnerable. Their prediction originates with Katana's group at the University of Pennsylvania, who previously modeled the relationship between current deaths from heart attack and stroke and the rising number of extreme heat days, possessing a heat index, a measure of apparent temperature that is a product of ambient temperature and relative humidity at or above 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Using data for the 3,108 counties in the contiguous U.S. between 2008 and 2017, They found rising rates of cardiovascular deaths along with a trend of increasing numbers of extreme heat days. By 2019, they said there were 54 extreme heat days per year, and each year, 1,651 people died as a result. That is a small proportion of all cardiovascular deaths in the U.S. currently, but given the expectation of heat events rising with climate change, they thought it worth inquiring how increases in temperature would affect death rates. The results were dramatic. To perform the new analysis, they combined the earlier work with predictions of rising global temperatures, migration to warmer parts of the U.S., and aging of the U.S. population, along with demographic shifts that will tilt the majority of the population away from whites who are not Hispanic. The team then plotted the likely effects of those combined factors into two scenarios. In one, the U.S. manages to hold down greenhouse gas emissions to a moderate increase, a scenario known as RCP 4.5 that represents existing policies likely to be implemented. 
In the other, known as RCP 8.5, emissions rise essentially unchecked. Under the RCP 4.5 scenario, they predict deaths from cardiovascular events would rise 162% between the years 2036 and 2065. Under the RCP 8.5, extreme heat would occur on 80 days, one-fifth of the entire year, and deaths would rise 233%, and those rises will not occur evenly across the population. Compared with the young and middle-aged, elderly people of any background would suffer a 4.5 times greater risk of death. For black adults, the risk would rise to 4.6 times that of whites. Even in our somewhat more optimistic scenario, there is still a significant increase in extreme heat predicted, Katana says, and we projected a more than doubling of extreme heat-associated cardiovascular mortality in that scenario. The projections confirm what other researchers have been finding, a reliable relationship between climate change and harm to human health, not just in the U.S. but worldwide. It helps us understand what the trajectory of disease is on the increasingly urbanized globe, and how we can quantify the health impact of globalization and environmental shifts, says Sadir Alkindi, a physician and associate director of preventative cardiology at Houston Methodist DeBakey Heart and Vascular Center, who studies the effects of global extremes of temperature on cardiovascular disease. There has been a significant increase in cardiovascular disease throughout the world from non-optimal temperatures. But though that accumulated evidence makes for grim predictions, it also provides a possible menu for action. Extreme heat is already an unacknowledged disaster. It causes more deaths each year in the U.S. than any other weather-related event, exacerbating multiple health conditions beyond cardiovascular diseases, and U.S. cities are behind the curve in protecting themselves against its impact. But multiple analyses show that heat's influence is not uniform. It has more impact in certain areas of countries and cities, where socioeconomic status is lower and minority and recent immigrant occupancy may be higher. One way we can explain those differences is by looking at the impact of historical drivers, for example, redlining, says Edith de Guzman, a heat researcher and cooperative extension specialist at UCLA, referencing a 20th century policy in which banks refused to sign mortgages in minority or poor neighborhoods. Even years after the end of redlining, there are legacy impacts that are very obviously detectable in how hot neighborhoods get, even in the same city. Multiple studies, for instance, show that less affluent neighborhoods tend to have substandard housing, with less air conditioning to cool them and less insulation to protect against heat incursion, less tree cover to shield houses, and more road surfaces and parking lots that absorb heat during the day and release it at night, keeping the air unhealthily warm. Less affluent neighborhoods may also be sited near highways or industrial zones, making them doubly vulnerable to the synergistic risks of heat plus particulate air pollution and ozone. Census tracts in California that are more likely to experience days of high heat and high pollution exposure also tend to score low on socioeconomic status, says Shahir Masri, an air pollution scientist at UC Irvine. It's the same pattern, he points out, that occurred in the COVID-19 pandemic. We saw massive disparities between the survival rates of Caucasians and those of Hispanic and African-American communities, he says. And while those groups might suffer genetic vulnerabilities to certain diseases, largely what we find is those populations have much less access to health care and suffer from comorbidities, such as chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder, that make these populations much more vulnerable. Work by De Guzman and others has shown that cities can be reconfigured to protect residents against extreme heat by identifying zip codes that are most at risk and then installing reflective surfaces and planting trees. 
We're literally talking about changing land cover in cities, she says. We found we could reduce the numbers of deaths depending on the heat wave and depending on the community in the neighborhood of 25 to 50 percent. Allied to those efforts, she says, is a need to make communication about heat risks more organized and public, along the lines of cities that have created heat officer positions and begun scoring heat waves on scales of how much risk they pose. Knowing whether they are at risk and knowing what resources, such as cooling centers, exist to protect them could save city residents from the death waves of heat days. With this global climate change phenomenon that we're living through, the prospect of actually affecting positive change can feel really dismal, she says. We've asked, can we move the needle locally, regardless of what happens at the international level? And the answer, we found, is yes. Thanks for listening to Wired. My name is Zeke Robison, and for more stories just like this one, visit us at Wired.com. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more science news at wired.com science. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more and they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.